for Your Good Ministries International, a ministry going into all the world to make disciples of all nations as the waters cover the sea. This series is teaching on the law of first reference, that is, how we begin or upon what do we establish all things in our lives, and the law of first institution, that is, to what do we first work all things out in our lives. And now, here's Abraham. Great. Well, a very good day again to all of those who are viewing this program. Uh, my name is Abraham Foss, and I have the privilege of being the founder and the leader of For Your Good Ministries International. And so thank you for dialing in and for watching this program and this that I'm teaching, which is uh, called the Law of First Reference. We've been talking about how we go to the Word of God firstly, any context and or area of our lives. We get to know what the Word of God teaches in that context. We believe it. We begin to apply it and do it. And then as the Word of God guarantees, we get that prosperous, successful result that God intends and desires us to live and walk in, in every context of our lives. So last week we closed out by referring to Psalm 138 verse 2, which says as follows. Speaking of God, it says, God, you have magnified or elevated or exalted your word above all your name. God's word is the highest order of who the person of God is to the full inclusion of all of the name or names of God. So we have God Father, God Son, Jesus Christ. We have the Holy Spirit. We have God our provider, our protector, our banner, and so on and so forth. All of the names of God are never diminished or lower than, but always are consistent with the Word of God. So that's why the psalmist is saying you've elevated your Word above all of your name. So that means we can be praying in the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of the Father and even the Holy Spirit, but finding that a result is not forthcoming, the reason for that would only be because that that we prayed in the name or the names is not consistent with, but doesn't correlate to, or isn't representative of the Word of God. So the Word of God is the highest order of all of the name of God, for the Word of God represents the person of God. And so the Bible is called God's will or His testament, as God's words as absolute. What God says is a given. It can only be as God has said it will be. Of course, and we'll teach into this in a later series, there's different covenants that God writes into. So I'm primarily referring to the new covenant understanding of all things. However, there's wisdom in the old covenant, in context in our lives, and when we apply the wisdom of Scripture right throughout Genesis through to Revelation, God is elevating His name, or His name is elevated to the status of His Word. Now, I like that. Because what that means to me is if I'm doing or applying God's Word, all of God's name is backing up His Word. God backs up His Word. So all of the power of our God in triuneness, 
all of the attributes that make up the person of God are aligned to the Word of God. So when I go to the Word of God, God is going to fulfill that Word by His name because it is His Word firstly. We said last week, if we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, that prayer is only answered if it lines up to the Word. Jesus said of Himself, in the beginning was the Word, which is Jesus. So all Scripture is founded in the person of Jesus. To know what Scripture is and bring about Scripture's result, we study the person of Jesus as the Son of Man as He walked the earth. Jesus always worked consistent with the Word of God. For that reason, Jesus was successful in everything He did. Jesus never failed on one quarter on the planet because all He did or said was always Scripture, was always the Word of God. So again, Psalm 138 verse 2 says, You, that being God, have magnified, elevated, or exalted your word above all your name. And so to know the name is to know the word. But to refer to the name outside of the word is to find myself, to find yourself, not successful in certain areas or contexts of our lives. So again, as I said before, I like that because if I go to the word of God, I know I'm getting a guaranteed result. Let's see how Jeremiah 1 verse 12 refers to the same principle. Jeremiah 1 verse 12 says this. It says, you have seen well. And so Jeremiah has now seen well. If you pick up the preceding uh, verses, verse 10, 11, and then come to 12, you realize what he saw. He saw the branch of an almond tree. But it says, you have seen well. And then it says why he's seen well. What would be the result of him seeing well? It says, for I am watching over my word to perform it, to bring it to pass, to manifest it, to ensure that it happens. So when we're doing the word of God, we have a guarantee in scripture that as we do the word of God, we know that God is overlooking his word. He's watching over his word. He's ensuring. He's bringing about a guaranteed result or outcome. So you have seen well when you see the word of God. Now that seen has an application attribute to it. It's see to do. Sometimes we see only, but we don't do. And James says we're not doers of the word. We deceive ourselves, thinking we're going to get a result that's never going to happen. And so if we see the Word of God, but pray in the name of God, Father, Son, and our Holy Spirit, but we're not doing the Word of God, James says we're living in deception because we're never going to have the result that we're hoping for. When we're going to get a guaranteed result is when we do the Word. So we see well to the point that we apply and do the Word of God. God is watching over the Word to perform it, to fulfill it, to manifest it, to bring it to pass. God will ensure that his product will be the outcome because God is the one who guarantees its result. So again, he says, you have seen well. Why? For I, that being God, am watching over my word. That's awesome, friends. We sometimes watch over a word that we've spoken to ensure that it happens. And sometimes we may falter. But when God is watching, if you can see God's eyes fixed upon his word, Whatever is His Word, whatever Scripture we are now trusting to the point that we're doing it, God is watching over it to bring about its guaranteed only one outcome result, 
which is success or abundant life. Jesus said he's come to give us abundant life, life abundantly, to live it to the full. How do we do that? Well, Jesus fulfilled the word, and he is the word. And when we fulfill the word as Jesus fulfilled the word, we're going to get the results of abundant, prosperous life. Will we have some challenges? Will the wind blow against us in life? Yes, those things in the outside can blow to challenge the thing that's inside of us. But when we trust God's word, Scripture says we are more than overcomers in Christ Jesus. So the word of God brings us the guarantee we can sail through the storms of life. Challenging that there might be, we've built a house on the rock on the foundation of the word of God. No matter what comes against us, anything that seeks to oppose an area that represents God's word, we will overcome it by holding fast onto the word of God. Because the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy by taking away the word of God. He wants to de-root the word of God out of our lives by bringing challenges against the word. So Satan will, and life will bring about circumstances to challenge us to de-root the word of God. We must guard the word of God. Never allow it to be de-rooted from our hearts. So he says, you have seen well when, when you are now applying and doing the word of God, you are seeing well. Now, this is so important, as we've said, for God is watching over His Word to perform it, to manifest it, to ensure that it comes to pass. When God is ensuring something and He's ensuring His Word, we can be assured that the outcome over a space of time is going to be the result of our lives. Let's now look at what Peter says. From 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 23. This is another powerful portion of scripture that Peter now uses in regard to the high status and value of the word of God. So Peter says this. He says the word of God. That again is scripture or the full counsel of the Bible. Peter is now saying the word of God is an incorruptible seed. There's no corruption in that seed. There's no contamination. It can only bring about a pure, absolute 100% result is the Word of God. So I could look at my life. There's some corruption, which means something that's not quite ideal, or not quite what I intended or hoped to be. Then I can conclude that the seed that I planted in regard to that aspect of my life, had some corruption in it. Why can I say that? Because as Peter says, he says, the word of God is an incorruptible seed. It can only produce after its kind. And it will always produce after its kind. So if I planted that incorruptible seed of the word of God in my heart, and I brought about a corresponding action of faith, where I'm doing the word of God, I will always get, for it's an incorruptible seed, I will always get an incorruptible outcome of a full produce of that that the Word of God brings about. So again, he says the Word of God is an incorruptible seed. That does what? He says that lives and abides forever. For Your Good Ministries International. A ministry whose vision it is to go into all the world to make disciples of all nations as the waters 
cover the sea. For Your Good both hosts its own conferences and is also invited into other contexts to train and to teach. Two, train pastors and leaders and others in the fivefold ministry. Training to church governance with resultant unity. Mediate into and bring about conflict resolution. Training to marriage, family and parenting. Training to the business sectors on how to be in unity and function successfully for unity commands a blessing. Trains too into the educational sectors on how to be in unity and function successfully for unity commands a blessing. For Your Good also establishes Bible colleges. For Your Good Ministries ministers on Christian radio, on online platforms and on various social media platforms. Partner with us for For Your Good Ministries as a heart for all is going into all the world to make disciples of all nations as the waters cover the sea. And email us for more information on our ministry services or to train into your contacts. Reach out to us on inquiries at foryourgood.net. Let's look at another portion of scripture that uh, pretty much reconfirms or adds other facets of value to what Peter is saying in 1 Peter 2 verse 23. Let's look at the book of Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. Of course, this is the writer, I believe, was most likely Paul, but be that as it may, who may have written it. Very early up in Hebrews 1 verse 3, the writer is writing to those who had received Jesus Christ, you could say received the message of grace by faith, or now defecting back into legalism. So the other writer seeks to really make a very salient point before he writes the rest of this chapter and the entirety of the book of Hebrews. And so he says this, in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3, he says, He that being God upholds all things. So everything is upheld by one thing. So it says, God upholds all things by the word of his power. His word releases power that upholds all things. It upholds my marriage. It upholds my fatherhood, my parenthood. My function as employer, employee, maybe as president of a nation, uh, maybe as someone who's functioning in regard to uh, an environment such as the arts or culture. When I'm applying the word of God, it's upholding that context of my life. So he upholds all things by the word of his power. Now listen to this interpretation. It says all things consist, are held together, are bound together, are knitted. He says, all things consist by the word of his power. So if you look at the very universe, even God himself, if I may say, God upholds his word. If God himself did not uphold his word, which brings that that consists or binds or keeps together, if God didn't uphold his very word, then God himself would implode. 
Now, that's a powerful statement. But you see, there's the absolute of God's word. God will always uphold his word. And all things consist or are bound or are held together by the word of his power. And so my marriage, my family, any context of my life is bound or held together or consists by the word of his power. Now, friend, that's possible for me to even contemplate that all of the universe, all of creation, all of myself, the context of my life, and even God himself would implode if the word of God wasn't consistent and an absolute, causes me to want to put faith in the word of God. Because I know that great promise that all things consist by the power of his word. If his word wasn't true, then implosion would take place. So all things are upheld by the word of his power and all, one translation puts it this way, all things consist by the word of his power. God's word is powerful. Let's look at Matthew chapter 24 and verse 35. It says this in regard to God's word. It says heaven and earth will pass away. So the heavens above us, that that's created matter in the heavenly realm, says the heaven and the earth will pass away. That day is going to dawn. There's going to be a new heavens and a new earth when Jesus returns a second time. And so the heaven and the earth as we know it today, that's going to pass away. That's not a guaranteed continuum. It says heaven and earth will pass away. But... My word or my words will by no means ever pass away. So when I look at creation, when I look at the earth, when I look at mountains or the sky or rivers or the oceans, I could have in my mind said, well, that's here forever. But the only thing that is truly here forever, if I think the earth is here forever, imagine how much more the word of God abides forever. So heaven and earth will pass away. That day is going to come when Jesus returns. For as I said, he's going, to, he's going to create a new heavens and a new earth. But my words are that continuum. That that will never cease. But my words will by no means, no matter what happens, no matter what is said, no matter who speaks against the word, those who embrace the word of God, and apply it by faith to the point that they're doing God's word, that will never pass away. So the emphasis is on the guarantee, the assuredness of God's word. Let's look at how the psalmist puts it in Psalm 119 and verse 89. He says, forever. That forever again is written in the eternal understanding. He says, forever, O Lord. Your word is settled in heaven. And so that also means this, is that God will honor his word for it's settled in heaven and honored in heaven. And heaven's never going to implode. So when I apply his word on earth, implosion will not be my outcome. I'm going to get God's result. So it's settled. It's never revisited. It's never reconsidered. God is the same yesterday, today and forever. God is watching over His Word. His Word is an incorruptible seed. It's consistent. 
when it's sown, it will always bring about its result. It's a guarantee that is settled in heaven. God's not deviating from it. If God says it, it's a done deal. It's never going to change. I can trust God because God has settled it. He's spoken it. And God is not going to variate from His Word. So now that would encourage you and I to go to His Word, to embrace His Word, to apply His Word, because God has settled it will bring a result. And that result has no other outcome but then the covenantal promise that God says will be the outcome. What's important to understand is this as well. God is a God of absolute truth. If God says something, we can, we can consider that, as the psalmist said in Psalm 119, as settled, as never deviated from. God is truth. God is love. There's no darkness in God. When God says something, it will always come to pass. And so if it's not coming to pass, I'm not to doubt God. I'm to doubt whether I actually embrace God's word to the point of doing God's word. Many a time we say, well, I did X, Y, Z, expecting to get such and such a result. It hasn't happened. Well, that's generally one of two things. We need to continue to trust God's word, if it's the word of God that we've applied. Or maybe we need to revisit if it is the word of God that we've actually applied. Because God's word is forever settled in heaven. It's never going to change. It's an absolute. And as long as we continue to put faith in God's word, we have to and we will by God's promise, get his result. So again, I like to be practical in these things. Let's consider that in our marriage. Now we function as a husband, or a wife, or a father, or a mother. If I may be failing in the area of fathership, I need to go to the Word of God and say, am I applying the functionality of what a father is called to function in by the Word of God? If I am, I'm going to get the promised results that God says are mine when I function as such a father. If I'm abdicating or absent of functioning as a father by way of my traditions, my doctrines, my cultural biases or persuasions that have been passed on to me by my ancestors, then God's got nothing to watch over. There's no guaranteed outcome by way of the word of God. In fact, I'm going the way that seems right to the man. The Bible says its ends or its result will be destruction. So let's then look at a portion of scripture that consolidates that God is a God who stands by and honors his word. The scripture defines that God cannot lie. So if God says something, we can take that something to the bank. It's going to be as he said. There will be no variation. What God says is forever settled in heaven. So again, when we go to the book of Hebrews, chapter 6, let's read from verses 16 to 18. So the other writer is saying, again, he wants to bring the readers to the understanding of the absolute of God in respect to his word and what he says. He says, for men indeed swear by the greater. So we as mankind, when we're carnally inclined, we tend to swear by something greater. People will swear, and wrongly so, they may swear on their father's life or their mother's life, which, by the way, is a very, very unwise thing to do. Never do such a thing. 
But the point that the writer is making, and I now emphasize as well, is we as mankind, when we swear by something, we swear by something that's greater than ourselves. In other words, you can trust me, because I'm now sworn to something greater than me, that it will not falter, or if it falters, then my word wasn't true. It says, for men indeed swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. So when we as mankind, we swear by something greater, we make an oath, the intention is that it would settle all dispute. So there's no further reason for you to dispute me, is what the writer is saying, if I've sworn by something greater and I've taken an oath. In other words, I'm saying my word, what I'm saying is true. Of course, in carnality, often the word of man doesn't hold the water of that that he has sworn to. But nevertheless, the writer again is using this as an example. It says, For men indeed swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. No further argument to be had. But then it says in verse 17, Thus God determining to show more abundantly, and that, that represents the manner of man, to show more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, God confirmed it by an oath. So God's oath is the highest of all oaths. So God confirmed it by an oath. That by two immutable things, immovable things, things you cannot question, these are absolutes. They will never falter or shift one iota. By two immutable things, in which it is impossible, it's an impossibility, it cannot happen, it will never transpire, its occasion will never be realized. So it says it is impossible for God to lie. God is ever and only always consistently, never variating from truth. <clears throat> So if God gives you and I a word in any context of our lives, God cannot lie. Not that God wants to lie, but by His very nature, by how He honors His word, God cannot, will not, it's impossible, says the writer, for God to lie. He says, so that in this we may have strong consolation. We are consoled by this knowledge, that if God says something, it shall come to pass. If God says, if I apply his word in a certain area, I will get that result. It has to be that. Because it's impossible for God to lie. So as we close out today's program, I encourage us to yet again meditate on the word of God in an area perhaps where you're struggling. Go to the word of God. Trust the word of God. Begin to apply the word of God, which means to do the word of God, knowing that God cannot lie. When we apply God's word, we're going to get God's promised result. Because all things consist by the word of his power. And as I said earlier, even God himself would implode and cease to exist if God himself didn't honor his word. God does not, cannot, will not, shall never lie. God's word is truth. And when we apply it, we're going to get God's promised outcome and result. So God bless as you meditate on, embrace God's word, apply God's word by faith, knowing it shall bring about a guaranteed result 
in your life and or mine. We thank you for joining us in viewing this program and look forward to meeting with you next week as we continue with this series.